Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together. Down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see beauty that made this heart adored. Love of a life spent with you, and here I am. All together worthy, all together 
when my life is in your hand, Lord, I'm Sunday morning. I'd like to greet each of you. Let's sing He Knows My Name. I have a He Hey, hey, hey. 
that fall and hears me when I call. Let's sing that first verse again. I have a maker. He formed my heart. Amen. Before even time began, my life was in His hand. And He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call and hears me when I Amen. You can be seated this morning. We have some announcements and prayer requests to mention. And uh, Brother Clayville, if you would, uh, come up in, a, in just a moment and uh, lead us to the Lord in prayer for these requests. Uh, Brother Abby says, remember my dad. Uh, Brother Abby, he will be having a partial nephrectomy to remove a small tumor on his right kidney tomorrow morning. So uh, we definitely want to be in prayer for that. Amen. Um, Sister Tracy Eisenhower sends a prayer request. She has cancer surgery on Tuesday. I want to keep her in mind. Brother and Sister Smith, uh, Let's keep them in our hearts. Also, the drums out this morning. God is uh, knows each of these requests. Um, Brother Joe Pascal also. Uh, Brother Keith and Sarah, they're uh, with her folks, Dennis and Sue Shepherd in Virginia. And um, I believe Brother Barry is going to uh, uh, have a, a special update on that here in a few minutes. But let's keep them in our prayers here this morning as well. I'd like to also announce that uh, uh, <clears throat> Brother Daniel uh, Martafello is coming home from Ghana on Wednesday, and he'll be here, I think, for a while, so praying for safe travels for him as well. And um, anybody by an uplifted hand have an unspoken prayer request, I know that I do as well, so let's just fulfill the law of Christ by bearing each other's burdens and taking all of these requests to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity that we have to come to your house. Lord, there's been many needs this morning that have been brought before the people. Lord, the surgery's coming up, those that are sick, those that are traveling. Lord, we know that you're our Jehovah Jireh, you're our provider. Lord, you provide all things. Traveling mercies, you provide healing. Lord, the uplifting of the hands this morning with the unspoken needs. Lord, we bring all of our burdens to you this morning and we lay them at the cross and just ask that you would be merciful and extend your graciousness to us, Father. Lord, we ask that you would be with the minister this morning, be with our pastor as he brings forth the word. Speak to our hearts. 
draw us just a little bit closer to you this morning is our prayer. Lord, be with the remainder of the song service. Prepare our hearts for the word. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My Jesus, my Savior, none there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the one. like the uh, deacons to come forward this morning and um, we're going to take up the offering. Brother Tom, if you would pray over the offering for us. are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. Amen. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And these are the days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword still we are the voice in the desert crying prepare ye the way of the Lord let's stand behold he comes riding on the clouds shining like the sun and the trumpet call lift your voice it's the year of jubilee and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel. The dry bones becoming as flesh. 
And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the days of the Lord. Behold, it comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion till salvation There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet's call. Lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, Salvation comes. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Sister Kristen, if you would come up. She's got a song special for us this morning. And she comes, let's sing that verse just one more time. Behold, he comes, riding on the cloud, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion till salvation comes. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion till salvation comes. Amen. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Faithful, all my life you have been so 
the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You were close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. Cause all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. I will sing of the goodness of God. As your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down I'm Rendered now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Cause all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful Amen. Thank you, Sister Kristen. Let's stand as we change the order of the service this morning. There is power in the name of Jesus. 
there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's a bride rising up. Break every chain, break every chain. Power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Once again, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. I know there's Every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Heavenly Father, we pray that every chain would be broken today, Lord, every captive set free. And Lord, you would reach down today in your August presence and Lord, just minister to every heart and every soul. Lord Jesus, you know exactly what we have need of. And Lord, you know exactly how to bring, Lord, the things that are most profitable to us. We reserve this time and this place for you today, Lord. And we've given you our worship. Lord, I pray now we'd give you our minds and our hearts that you might captivate us by the hearing of the word. Forgive us of anything, Lord, in our lives or in our testimony, Lord, that would hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, just move among us in a special way. Make the word real and make it personal, Lord, to every heart. Father, I can explain it the best that I know how. But, Lord, it requires you, the great teacher, to come, Lord, and not only to interpret that word, Lord, but to quicken that word in our hearts and make it live. And so, Lord, we want to open our hearts now, and we want to clear the pathway, Lord, for you to come and just to visit us today. Lord, we are not here at all to tell you what to do. We are here, Lord, just waiting upon you and looking to you, Lord Jesus, now to just step in on the scene and take complete control. And Father, may everything that happens here today, may it bring glory and honor to your great name. 
Minister to the sick, we pray. Those that are reaching out to you, Lord, those that are listening by way of the internet this morning, Father, we commit our every need and every burden and every concern to you. And we'll give you the glory and honor in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. And all the brides said, amen. Are you happy to be in church today? You may be seated just for a moment, and we welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus today. Thank you, musicians. We're going to let you take your places today. I say, I say this everywhere I go, that we are disproportionately blessed with our musicians and uh, the number of people that are so talented among us, and we appreciate them very much. Never, ever want to take that for granted. We are glad that all of you are here today, and... Uh, we are honored to have Sister Hannah back with us today. Hannah, God bless you. Uh, good to have you here. Good to have uh, Levine and the Stevens back today. All week long, I was texting Levine and saying, you know, hey, is the car running? Is everything okay? We missed you on Sunday. Finally, this fellow wrote back and said, look, my name is not Levine. So uh, I don't know who you are, but I said, yeah, well, that makes sense. So I told him all about Levine. I gave him your address and phone number and... <laughs> A picture and uh, all of that. So anyway, good to have you back uh, with us today. Uh, as I mentioned Wednesday night, it's great to have the Menards back with us. Again, slipped in a little bit for a visit there. Uh, always good to see them and their new addition to the family, Wyatt. Uh, so we're honored to have them uh, with us for a couple of weeks here. Uh, this is Cade Heffernan. Cade, your mom says hello. Uh, we're glad to have Cade with us. He's enrolled in school, right? And going to be going to college here and with us uh, in church. Cade, we're glad to have you from all the way from the great state of Indiana. Right? Did I miss something? And uh, so we're honored to have you with us today. <clears throat> January 15th. Yes, is it yesterday or today? Today. Today. This very day is Sister Jackie's birthday. Uh, God bless you, Sister Jackie. On January 18th is Rebecca Ivey's birthday. And uh, Rebecca, how old are you today? Eight, 18. Oh, wonderful. And Sister Lily Harwell's birthday. How old are you, Sister Lily? How much? Whoa. And uh, Brother John is out of town. Sister Laura has a birthday January 20th. Sister Laura, good to have you with us today. And uh, we are praying for you, uh, your upcoming uh, procedure on your back. And we appreciate you being here today. Um, I wanted to give you just a a bird's eye view here of a couple of events that are uh, coming up here. And uh, these are on the, uh, I've already mentioned these to you here on January 29th uh, is our Sunday service, Christian Family Part 3, and then Boiling Frogs on February 4th. That'll be a church fellowship. And then uh, February 18th is our couple's banquet. The registration opens at midnight tonight. So you're welcome to direct people to our website, uh, and we also have a link that you can send out. Um, I'm correct in saying that, right? Our, our registration opens at midnight tonight, and we appreciate Lucas and Haley pulling that together for us so we can have uh, registration. All the details are there, uh, so you want to jump in because we have a limited amount uh, of seating, and uh, you want to make sure... Uh, that you get in there early. Uh, We have a lot of people from outside who are wanting to come. They're already approaching us about uh, when our banquet registration opens up. So you might want to jump in there. We're going to solicit some help a little bit from our older young people as well to help in some of the details there. 
Our website has the information updated for a trip to Israel. So if you're thinking about it now, it's a really great time for you to, uh, to uh, sign up. Or if you have any questions, we're certainly uh, uh, available to answer any questions uh, for you about Israel. <clears throat> Wednesday night, we're going to do a special service here. It's going to be more like in the form of an interview, where we're going to interview Brother Sergei Gradazov, who is from, uh, he's originally from uh, uh, Donetsk in Ukraine, grew up and raised there. Uh, he is, uh, now he works uh, out of uh, Idaho, and uh, where the Ash, Ash Downs uh, were f- are just from. And uh, Brother Sergei is a wonderful brother, and I've known him for a number of years. He's also, uh, his original trade was in banking and international finance. And so he has been a huge help in um, helping us to get funds into Ukraine, and we're still doing that. Uh, so he's going to be here on Wednesday night. We're going to interview him and talk about the current situation in Ukraine, and he'll give you uh, an update, and we'll uh, hopefully be able to open it up for questions if you have them. If you want to write down the questions or if you want to email them to me or something or text them to me, that'll certainly be fine, and we'll try to include that. This is a, f- a shot of uh, Kiev uh, just a couple of days ago, and uh, they're right in the middle of winter. They're going through the hardships of winter, and I will tell you that uh, winters are harsh in Ukraine in, in the most uh, most areas in Ukraine. It's cold, uh, it's difficult, and uh, the whole gas issue is a big issue uh, in the country of Ukraine for a number of different reasons. And so uh, that will be on Wednesday night, and we will record that. We'll be opening that up for uh, for folks to be able to watch. Also, too, I wanted to give you a prayer request that uh, we, we were uh, asked to hold off on giving this information out um, <clears throat> until now. That's uh, with Brother Keith and Sister Sarah. Uh, Keith and Sarah are up in Virginia today and helping with uh, the shepherds. That's Sister Sarah's parents. And they're, uh, they're aging, uh, like most of us, and uh, they've been up there to help them out and be able to assist in their... Um, their household uh, work and so forth. So they've been uh, gently uh, helping the shepherds, and, and that's been a great support for them. But Sister Sarah's older sister, Ray Lee, uh, is in hospital. She's a part of uh, Happy Valley in Johnson City, Tennessee, and uh, she has congestive heart failure and was also diagnosed because of the seriousness of her symptoms. They continued to test her and found that she had pulmonary vasculitis. And uh, that means that, uh, number one, she has to take an extraordinarily high dosage of steroids. Uh, but that uh, steroids are great to do one thing, but they have lots of side effects. And so that, that has been difficult for her. But they also give her a chemo treatment, even though it's not cancer. Uh, the, the components of certain chemo treatments help people with pulmonary vasculitis. So uh, she's really going through it. And... Um, this chemo treatment will have to go on for months and months, and uh, she'll be released from hospital. Of course, she's doing better than what she was, uh, but uh, she'll be going through uh, that treatment for a while. So we've been asked to remember her in prayer and um, trust that the Lord will undertake for her, and we believe that God is able. Also as well, the Nengamazas are here, and uh, Sister Trish was uh, not well uh, this morning, and so Brother Aaron is home 
today, and that also means that uh, Brother Tim and uh, Sister Joanne Ashong are not here today, and uh, <coughs> we would uh, we would do well to remember Sister Trish in prayer. It'll go away after a while, uh, but uh, she's not well this morning. Now, uh, I think that's all the announcements, I think. Oh, I have one more. This is a picture of Sister Becky and I in front of our rental hickory home. Special. It was so nice last night. We were able, because we were in town, we were able to go down and take Brother Aaron out and the Ashongs and took him out for dinner, and uh, it was it was just so nice to be able to do that. So uh, <clears throat> we have a lot of adjustments to make, obviously, and we have um, lots of other things to care about and care for, as you know. So, uh, but just wanted to give you that little update. We'll give you more information uh, as we go, as we go along. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's take our Bibles, if you will. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to read there this morning. Matthew chapter 19. <clears throat> I'm a Gospel of Matthew guy. I love the Gospel of Matthew. It has really unique components, and it just somehow or another, uh, it was it was instrumental in... Uh, the gospel itself was really um, captivating for me in the very first days of uh, my conversion, and I've always, I've always just clung to it. And I look at it very, very carefully, uh, just, just because of the, I don't know, it's just there's certain books of the Bible that mean something probably to all of us personally. And I, I don't know how far we'll get uh, into this this morning, and I want to do just a little small review and integrate some new things here as we look at this glorious church. Now, this is about you, all right? So I'm preaching about you this morning and all the things that the Bible says and all the things the message says about you as a part of this glorious church in the last day. And we are a part of this, okay? This is not about some group. This is not about some general vague uh, entity that is mentioned in Scripture. This is actually about you. And you are a part of this, okay? You're a member of this. And so uh, this, I hopefully this will become as uh, personal to you as it has to me in studying this. But in Matthew chapter 19, there's a lot of different subjects in Matthew 19. And in the end of it, and if you don't mind, let's just uh, read over here in uh, the story of uh, the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. And uh, he, as, you, as I've said before, he asked the right person, the right question, and gets the right answer. This is, this is the way it should be. But he, he answers Jesus, and let's just pick it up in 20, because you're familiar with it, and I, I want to just pick up a phrase here. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth, uh, from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and, that, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the, when the young man heard that saying, he went away 
sorrowful. Imagine asking the right person the right question, getting the right answer, and then being sorrowful as a result of that. But that was his response. He's sorrowful over what he hears, over what Jesus is actually saying to him, because he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed. Interestingly enough, this is not the first time in Matthew 19 that they're amazed or they're surprised or they're shocked at what's actually being said. Because Jesus is turning a number of teachings right, flipped them over, turning them on their head. And this is one of those things that he's saying that, uh, you know, this is, this is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the, into the kingdom of heaven. And so he simply, they simply ask him, said, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus beheld them, and he said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Say it with me. With God all things are possible. May God add his blessing. You may be seated. I'm not going to belabor the review here, but I would like to just uh, highlight a couple of things as we uh, look into this subject again here, the glorious church. In Ephesians chapter 5, we often hear this in relation to marriage. And I want to say more about the marriage part a little bit up the road here because we're going to connect that with Matthew 19. But this, the concept or the principle that uh, Paul writes to us about here is that uh, the Lord has uh, he, he condescended all, all that God was he poured into Christ and condescended to be among us, to be a sacrifice, to pay the price for our sin and to redeem us so that we might enter back in the glory again with him. And in doing that, it is the, uh, the presentation of a glorious church, not just a church, but a glorious church, not a denominational church, but a glorious church. Not a cult, but a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. A church that is entirely without blemish. A church that has no blemishes whatsoever. It is even more perfect than the red heifer that is described in the Old Testament. And I will tell you that in Israel, when they, uh, when they select a red heifer for sacrifice, and it is the most important sacrifice of all of the animals that are included in the Old Testament, uh, in the Old Testament practices, the rabbis actually take a magnifying glass and they, they, they actually uh, comb through the, the, the fur or the, uh, the hide of the red heifer line by line. And they, they go back, paring back their hair to look at their skin inch by inch, inch by inch with a magnifying glass to find out if there's any blemishes there. That's how they do it. So when someone says they have a red heifer, which is an unusual event in Israel, however they have some now, this red heifer is inspected meticulously by the rabbis inch by inch over every part of its body to find out if there are any blemishes there. Any blemish at all disqualifies that red heifer. This church that Jesus is going to present to himself, or this church, if we say, is going to be taken into glory with him, will be without blemish at all. I say, Lord, hasten the day 
Bring the day quickly, Lord, when uh, we can stand before you and uh, proudly raise our hands and say we're members of that glorious church without any blemish whatsoever. Let me tell you, that'll be not to your credit. That'll be because of what he has done for us to offer a perfect sacrifice to make you perfect. Now, I love Brother Branham's attitude, and this is the attitude I believe that we should adopt as a part of the glorious church. Watch, watch the way he prays here. It is 1957. <clears throat> I believe he's out in Arizona. And he says, be merciful and heal the sick and afflicted. For in this, thou hast atoned for at Calvary. And we feel that is our personal property. I don't know if you've prayed that way lately. But Lord, you've paid the price and you've made the atonement at Calvary. That's our personal property. Hey, everybody. That's what he says. That, that this, is, uh, this is something Jesus did on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And you know what? It's our personal property. You may as well own it. You may as well possess it. You may as well, uh, you may as well enjoy it because it's your personal property. We have a, uh, as we said, we have a, a rental place here in, in town now. It'd be silly for us not to occupy it. It'd be silly for us not to use it. It's for the use of the renter. It's for the use of the owner so that we can uh, enjoy the place here. Hey, if it's your personal property, <clears throat> God's given it to you. He's paid for it. It's yours. It's got your name on it. You've got a checkbook. And all the checks are signed with his name. Let me tell you, we are, we are foolish if we do not take advantage of what God has made our personal property. And now, Father, may the Holy Spirit take the word, open the book, loose the power of the Spirit in the word. How many knows there's life in the word? And may it find its resting place in every heart, for we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody should say, Amen. All right. <clears throat> 1963, Brother Branham entered into this in the breach, and, and this was the breach between the ages and the seals. He said the lamb broke the seals, revealed them to his church to collect his subjects for his kingdom, for his bride. He wants to bring his subjects to him now. And never before, the uniting time in sign, since the early church was the pillar of fire ever among the people. So we have not only a great opening of his word that loosens the, uh, the, the, the bride to be able to leave here. It, it's untangled. It is uh, disconnected. It is continually loosened up so that it's free to go. It's free to float. It's free to uh, rise and enter into that kingdom. Not only do we have that, but we have a call within the opening of the word that the subjects of that kingdom hear his voice and are brought to him in that moment of the end time. And Brother Branham says not only that, but he says not any time since the early church has the presence and the evidence of God been more real among the people until now. I mean, these are extraordinary declarations he's making. That, you know what, we're looking at the book of Acts, the, the other end of the book of Acts. We're looking at the omega of the alpha. Come on, everybody with me? We're looking at the end of what God began in the beginning. We're looking at the capstone that, that is now placed on what God established as a cornerstone in the very early church. And he's, and he's doing so with vindication. He's doing so with a prophet. He's doing so with evidences. And he's doing so with his personal presence here right in the, uh, right in the, in the public eye, right in the uh, cover of Life magazine, right in the, uh, the, 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 the public view so that the whole world can behold and know that never before since the early church for 2,000 years, we've not seen phenomena like this. We've not seen the supernatural like this. And now 
never since the early church have we seen such a present application of the word of God and his own personal presence right among us here. Hey, this is an exciting time. And that's what Brother Bram's trying to alert us. He's trying to wake us up to that. And he said, these things now are possible because uh, he is here among us here. So as I said last Sunday, God's now loosening up the church everywhere, uh, getting it in order so he can get into the rapture. You've got you to gotta remember that everybody he's preaching to in 1953, everyone he's preaching to is solidly in their church. They're solidly in their denomination. And I'd say they're solidly in their denominational thinking. And, and a lot of the loosening up had to, lo- had, had to deal with the loosening up of people's idea of doctrines and teachings that were contrary to the word that he was there to correct. That the opening of the seals corrected. Right? And let me tell you truly what happened in the Garden of Eden. That loosened up a bunch of people. Let me tell you about the Godhead. That loosened up a whole bunch of people. Let me tell you about uh, the, the gifts in the church. That loosened up a whole bunch of people. Because all of a sudden there was more room in the church. It didn't have to be squeezed in. All of a sudden there was more room. <laughs> and and as, as uh, I remember, uh, good to have the males with us today. I remember uh, years ago uh, when my father-in-law had, had uh, made a turn and came into the message and uh, began to see that God had truly sent a prophet and had a ministry uh, that, was, that was in operation. It was perfect. The gifts were perfect. And, and he could say that because he had a, a, a gift that was lesser than that gift, a gift of uh, laying on of hands and praying for people. And uh, he was very successful and very blessed in, uh, in that calling. And I will tell you this, I've said this before and I'll say it again, uh, that if I, if I ever was sick in my years knowing him, if I was ever sick, I was just as happy to have him lay his hands on me and pray for me as anybody else because he had a gift of healing in his life. He didn't have a gift like Brother Branham did. And I'm saying that to say this, that when he saw Brother Bam's gift in operation, he stopped his ministry. He stopped that uh, tent evangelism and, the, lay, and the, the healing ministry because he knew that the perfect had come. He knew that something much more powerful had come. And we should be looking at that, not the other lesser gifts that were in operation. Now, after a prophet goes, uh, then we carry on with the commission. But he had enough sense and enough intuitive uh, you know, insight to be able to see that that's a gift that's much more perfect than mine. And so he just laid it down. And so when he came into the message, when he began to uh, you know, establish the fact that God had sent a prophet and now his ministry had taken a shift, there were 1,000 people in his church and he had 10,000 people on his mailing list. He took all of those names of the 10,000 people on the mailing list and brought them to the dump and threw them away. And the first Sunday he went from uh, the, the, the full church that he had, it was cut in the next week. There were 500 people left after he introduced the message. Sister Carrie's parents were probably there. I don't know if you were there, Sister Carrie, but uh, I, I don't want to say you're that old or anything, but I'm getting real trouble doing that. <clears throat> So in other words, there's a loosening up. That's all I'm saying, that there's a loosening up here. And uh, God is doing that so that we become disentangled, become disconnected. We become, uh, you know, unconcerned about what the rest of the world is doing. We're not, uh, we're not looking this way. We're looking this way. I, I thank God for that. God has successfully got our eyes turned from this to this. 
And, and that's the way we should be looking, right? That's the way we should be uh, keeping our eye peeled. We have to drive. We have to work. We have to uh, provide a living for our families and all of that. We have to go to school. We got to, uh, you know, attend to different things on this earth. But that's not where my heart is looking. My heart is looking this way, not this way. And, and he says, in that process or in that time of loosening up, God's getting ready to be able to give to the church rapturing faith because the people have to get into the spirit of whatever is coming next. Let me give it to you graphically this way because I like graphical things. I like graphic things. Whenever, and let me, let me introduce this by saying this way, that whenever God revives a promise of something, he is really introducing us to a portion of the kingdom. Think about this. Whenever God revives, like healing in the last day, there never was a healing ministry like Brother Branham had and the gift of healing that he had. How many understand that Brother Branham had a gift of healing, not just the ordinary commission of laying on of hands? Hey, listen, when, uh, when I, I, I listen to stories of people who live in Arkansas, and, and they said the same thing when Brother Branham came in. They would be waiting for Brother Branham uh, to come through there in, into the auditorium. And they would actually take their babies and toss them at him. Because if the baby touched him, many a times they were healed. And, and this is an extraordinary thing. And when God introduces a promise or revives that promise, he's actually introducing a portion of the kingdom from there that we need in order to overcome in this world. If God, listen, if God's giving us, if God revived the promise of healing, and we believe absolutely, probably more than any other age, we believe that God is a healer today, the same as he ever was. We've got all kinds of evidence. We know all kinds of people who were healed. We know all kinds of instances and examples where that is really true, that God is still a healer and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. My wife was there uh, in the meeting in 1965 when Brother Brandon preached this day the scriptures fulfilled and had come with Charlie Mitchell who was in the congregation there and Brother Brandon looks down. He's in the the auditorium and the gymnasium at the same time. In other words, he's got an auditorium this way and the gymnasium this way. Brother Brandon's preaching this way. He's not looking at anyone in particular and right at the end of the service and you go listen to it, he says, you sir down there, he says, you have been a minor, you're from Virginia and he says, you're up for an operation, you have cancer and right at that moment, and my wife was there, right at that moment, uh, uh, Charlie Mitchell, he said, rise to your feet, he said, Mr. Mitchell, he said, you're healed in the name of Jesus Christ. You ought to not just read it, but you ought to listen to it. And listen to what he says. And he was healed, lived for, I think, uh, 20-something years after that, completely healed uh, of the cancer that he had. And when God revives a, a promise like that, when God uh, does something supernatural like that, it is something from the kingdom that comes to us in order for us to overcome in this age. And it's God actually depositing in our hearts what we have need of by the spoken word. Do you get it? We're actually inheriting and embracing the promises that we need and the things that God has made real to us. It's our responsibility to react the right way to that revelation that God gives to us because he's actually imparting a portion of the kingdom in our hearts so that we can testify that it's real and we can benefit from those promises ourselves. 
And then in turn, we can also share that. We can share that with one another. We can lay hands on one another. We can testify that God's a healer. We, we should testify that God's a healer, that God is a, uh, a deliverer, that God is faithful, that God is, uh, God's word about healing is absolutely true. And, and it may seem like, uh, you know, the doctors have said one thing, but with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? And, and this is what Matthew 19 is all about. That, that there's, there's, the, Jesus is reminding those disciples it, that Christianity involves the real need that human beings have. And there are some things that are impossible to men. There are some things that are uh, absolutely uh, unattainable by men. But with God, all things are possible. You may have a situation in your life that you do not see an answer for. I'll tell you what, you're looking at it one way, God's looking at it another way. And I believe that God always has an answer for whatever you're going through. I believe that God has an answer. And we should never fear that, nor should we ever doubt that. And so God is actually saying, when he brings us a revelation uh, of a a scripture or a promise like that, he's actually saying, I have transferred from my world to yours by the spoken word all you have need of. Let me, let me show it to you this way. That we as human beings are made up of this three realm person, the soul, the spirit, and the body. And God reveals himself to us. We get revelations from the Father. The revelations are, are given to the inner man. Right? They're not to make your flesh feel good. They're not to make you tingle in church. But they are revelations that feed the inner man. That cause the inner man to grow in grace and in knowledge. And to cause that inner man to grow in faith. Because your flesh is probably not going to grow in faith. My faith is, my, my flesh is not much more faithful than it ever was. If I let it go an inch, it'll backslide, right? I pray God strengthen me in the inner man that I might take under control, take under my, under, uh, my control, the, the outer man, and so forth. Now, we, we find that as through the ages here, that they asked Jesus, and he was demanded of the Pharisees, they said, when the kingdom of God should come. And he said, the kingdom of God cometh not, not with observation, neither shall they say, lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. How does it get within you? And that, in the Greek, it means that the kingdom of God is already among you. That what God reveals to us by his spoken word is God's way of depositing something from that kingdom into your heart that you might be an overcomer in this kingdom. I hope, I hope you're getting that. And so uh, Jesus was, was obviously talking about something that, uh, you know, the, the, this world had never heard before, but now the kingdom of God is actually among them. And I will tell you this, the kingdom of God hasn't left. If this is what the kingdom of God is, then let me tell you, it hasn't left. It's real. And I will say this as well, that in that atonement that Jesus made, there's also, as an additional bonus, there is healing for the body and there is healing for the spirit. How many are thankful for that? So it's not just God dealing with the inner man, but God's also concerned about the temple you live in and God's concerned about the depression you feel. God's uh, concerned about, uh, you know, the the, the sorrow that you have. Uh, God's concerned about uh, the hurts that you bear. And those are not physical things, but those are real things. And God is also mindful of those things as well. And in the healing process, in the healing uh, revelation that God brings to us, and not just healing, but in every way that God reveals things to us, he's concerned about the entire you in this world. From birth until you're changed. From your natural birth to your natural death, or from your new birth to your body change. Either way you look at it, God's concerned about you right where you are. 
Now, I, I, I want to come back to this because I think it's important to underscore that when, the, when we look at the whole body, uh, the body uh, began with Ephesus and began with a prophet and comes down to the capstone here. And Brother Branham teaches us that in this last day, there is a word that's given. Let me read it. He said, the word that fell on the day of Pentecost, he said, that will not work this day. And that was for Pentecost. This is for the bride, the going home of the bride. And we got something different. The Pentecostals represented that again. He said, we are in the bride age. How many would agree? We're in the bride age. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, even Paul writes this from the very beginning. He says, we know in part. And when you break that down, it means that there are pieces missing. How many of you have ever tried to construct a puzzle and there was a piece missing? Ah! It's a terrible thing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't do puzzles anymore because it's just too traumatic for me to, uh, to, to go through there. And what if there's a piece missing? I just, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm over the edge on that, but this is exactly the meaning. I love this when I found this. This is exactly the meaning that Paul says, that we're looking at the picture, but there's something missing. There's something just not quite right. And we don't really know what it is because we're looking through a glass darkly. But when that which is perfect has come, then we'll know. You know what? Then that, 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 that uh, imperfection, that, uh, that impartial understanding, that, that, sorry, that partial understanding, it will be done away with. And, and that which is uh, in part, that missing piece will come, in other words. And this will be plugged in so that we'll have a complete picture. So, in other words, what is missing through the ages, because God hasn't revealed it all, will eventually come. And when that comes, we'll see clearly or perfectly, not like in other ages. Can I go one step further? Here's the scripture. We know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that shall be, that shall be taken away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. The COD book, Brother Brandon makes a tremendous statement here in 1964. Watch it, bottom of the screen. We do have today, by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. Then that which is in part is done away with. We could end it there. If, if we really caught that, we could end it there because you know what? An under, a Trinitarian understanding is actually incomplete. You don't have it all if you're just believing in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, right? Because as soon as you hold on to that belief as absolute perfect interpretation of the word of God, I got a question for you. Who was Melchizedek? And you got you to do something with him, right? And... There's all kinds of other things in here that don't make sense. Thank God for a prophet whose job was to take loose ends and put them together and help us understand about a theophany and who Melchizedek really was and who is this Melchizedek. Thank God for a prophet to put those loose ends together. And he's making a statement here that uh, you're, you're going to need to remember, but you're also maybe called upon to defend that this is either true or it's not, that we do have, by God's grace and by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. 
So this is not just our word against someone else. This is not just Brother Branham's word against something else. Like Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, though I or an angel from heaven come, he says, let him be accursed, right? That's what he says. It's not me and it's not just the pillar of fire. It's me and the pillar of fire that are bringing to you the things that God has declared for this age. And Brother Bram saying now God has actually delivered to us the perfect uh, interpretation of the word and given us perfect vindication so that God has actually removed all doubt. This is that ministry that was to come in the last day. And you know what? We're not looking through a glass darkly. So don't tell me that you don't see. If you're saying or acting like you don't see, it's because you're not reading the perfect word. You folks, let me tell you something. You people need to get into a habit and remain in the habit of reading your Bible. And reading the message. And don't just leave it to me to quote bits and pieces of it for you every Sunday. You need to be reading your Bible. You need to be getting into the word. There is no, there is no, there is no substitute for you getting into the word yourself. And you young people thinking, well, you know, I go to lots of camps. I mean, I go, hey, listen, all you're doing is slowly poisoning yourself with the food at those camps. Whether you realize it or not, that's all you're doing. You're dying. You're dying quickly. And you don't even realize that you're like a frog in the water. You're being boiled slowly. Let me tell you, you're be- you're, the better remedy is for you to read your, word every- read your Bible every day. Read the message every day. It's killing you. It's worse than church dinners. All right. Now, let's look what Brother Bram says. Now, I'm looking for a time of, the, of a break forth of the Spirit of God in the last day that we're now living in. Another surge of the Holy Spirit into the church for rapturing faith. Don't underestimate God's ability to bring a surge anytime he wants. I, I love to read the stories about rogue waves. I grew up on the coastline. I grew up in the, in the North Atlantic. They had, let me tell you, they had waves. I had a friend of mine who I was, uh, he was the president of the high school. I was the vice president. Uh, we'd grown up all of our years. He was, uh, his girlfriend was snatched off the beach by a rogue wave. And I'm familiar with it. And uh, there, there are times when uh, they, they really can't explain them really very well. Uh, they just know they happen. All of a sudden, there's a wave. All of a sudden, you better be in the right place. Uh, oh, that wave's going to get you. This is exactly what he does not give us any time frame at all. But it will be connected with rapturing faith. So therefore, it's got to happen before the rapture because it contains what you need to be in the rapture. Now... <clears throat> Brother Bram says in 1955, he said, Joshua said, you're going to see the glory of God for there hung the pillar of fire over them. But don't let it get out of your sight because you've never passed this way before. Here's Joshua leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. Never been this way before. And I believe there's an experience for the church. So here's Brother Bram preaching in the Bible. And he's going through it here and telling the story of Joshua. And he says, hey, hey, that's an experience for the church. That's not just about them. That's about us. And he says, now, here we are now moving into a territory that we've never passed this way before. So here's, here's, two, here's something that you need to remember. If you're passing through a territory you've never been before, you better be with somebody who knows the way. And you better keep your eye on them. If you want to go hiking with Brother Andy, let me tell you, you better keep your eye on him because he's nimble as a billy goat and he'll just get all over the hills there. and He's gone. He's gone. So you better keep your eye on him because he knows the way and he's got, a, uh, he's got, a, uh, he's got an in, intuitive ways. He's really Sasquatch. He, 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 really, he really he knows the way. And I will tell you something, you better keep your eye on him because uh, you, if you've not passed this way before, the idea is exactly the same. And Brother Branham says, to you people tonight, let's move out towards Jordan. He said, God's here leading you. 
That's what's talking to your heart and telling you to do it. It's the Holy Spirit. That's what's telling you to do it. That's what's keeping you uh, in, in moving in, in the presence of God. That's what's keeping you following the pillar of fire. There's something in your heart telling you, follow that, follow that, follow that. Don't follow that. Follow that. If you want to make it, follow that. Now I can see the people as they went marching on. The angel of God took Jordan first. And the angel of God will lead you every step of the way. Oh, that's underlined. The word, the angel of God will lead you every step of the way. Sometimes you think the trials are hard, but God ain't in no hurry. You're the one that's in the hurry. God has a time for everything. He has a timing for everything. And God let the children of Hebrew, <clears throat> God let the Hebrew children go right in the fiery furnace. And he let Daniel go right in the lion's den before he ever come. Remember what I said last Sunday. God will bring you up to the edge of impossible and say, go ahead, take another step. So here he is. He brings, he brings Daniel right to the edge uh, of, the, of the pit. And uh, Daniel looks at that and he doesn't turn around and say, no thanks. I'll tell you what you want to know. That's not what he does. He takes that other step. Now, let me tell you something. Daniel's not, he's not an old guy at this particular point. But I, I will tell you something. It, it, that, that is what we call a real step of faith. That's what we call trusting God, isn't it? That's what we call believing that not only that God exists, but God is, is able to be trusted even in the most difficult and dark times. So he brings, he brings those three Hebrew children to the edge of the fire, and it's so hot that there are people falling over dead because of the heat of the fire. And God says, go ahead, just take another step. Watch what happens. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to be at the, at the other end of that step. And they may be thinking, wow, God wants us to be a flaming martyr and go down like, uh, you know, like some other people go down. And uh, I don't know, maybe God wants us to be an obvious uh, example of people that were brave or something. Hey, tell, listen, this wasn't about bravery. This is about faith, faith in God's trustworthiness. Are you with me? And so he brings them to the edge of the impossible and then says, go ahead. I really believe with all my heart. I really do believe with all my heart that one day that's what's going to happen. We're going to come to the edge of the impossible and God will say, go ahead, one more little step because you're still in this body. You're still in this earth here. Go ahead, make another step there. By faith, make that step. Not by eyesight, not by feeling, not by logic, but go ahead, make the other step and watch what God does in that moment when you make that step. I believe that's what the rapture is going to be because Brother Bram said it's just going to be another step along the Christian path. So Moses answered when God told him to go down, one man against a superpower, go down and bring out a couple of million people out of Goshen there, go down and and have at it, go down and bring them out. And Moses says, hey, they're not going to listen to me. And they're not going to respond right. And they're, hey, listen, who am I? And I can't speak right. I stutter. And I got all these other things going on. And God looks around and says, and he doesn't drop lightning out of the sky and fry him. He just simply says, hey, what do you got in your hand? He says, a rod. Throw it down. Watch what I do with it. God doesn't like people to argue with him. But I don't believe that Moses is really arguing with him. I believe this is, a, this is an instance where Moses is not disbelieving the existence of God. But he's, he's just in his own heart. Lord, can I trust you to do this? I mean, this seems so illogical. It seems so impossible. Lord, can I do this? Moses, uh, God is simply helping Moses along in that stage of his faith and says, well, let me show you what I can do with a stick. 
And let me show what I, what I can do with a jawbone. Let me show what I can do with an ox goat. Or let me show you what I can do with what you have in your hand. And for us, hey, we don't have ox goads. And we don't have jawbones. And we don't have sticks that we can throw down. But you know what we have is a promise, a sure word that God's given to us in this last day. Hey, let me say it, let me say it a little more messagey. And we have a perfect word with divine vindication. Hold that in your hand and take that step. Hold that in your hand and walk forward. And that's exactly what uh, I believe that is happening, that um, we, are, we, are, we are a people who have a faith in the existence of God. We have a faith that the Bible is right. We have a faith that God sent a prophet, right? Those are, those are not debatable. We're not, we're not here preaching that every Sunday because we believe that. I mean, that's kind of given. Yeah, hello, duh, we believe that. But now when we get to the place where a doctor says to you, there is no more hope. Now we get to a place where, uh, you know, all the people that you trusted and relied upon, all of a sudden they turn on you. Or all of a sudden now the government does something squirrely. In a moment, hey, we have a squirrely government. The world is squirrely. I got, I'll say it even this way, the world's falling apart. It's a mess. Uh, there, there just ain't nothing good. And if, and if you've got, if you bought a TV just to watch the news, because that's what a lot of people say, I just bought it just to watch the news, well, you're probably, we probably need to talk about, uh, you know, uh, promises that relate to depression, because it's not very positive, right? It, it's CNN, it's continual negative news. I mean, that's all it is. So, if you're feeding on that, sometimes, you know, the devil will get right there and he'll say, well, the whole thing is going down, and you're still here. You know what? And you're sliding down with it. I mean, look at you. You're sitting here in front of a TV. What in the world are you going to do now? And the devil is constantly working on this whole idea of can you trust him? Well, I mean, there's lots of times we could look in the scripture here in the Bible. I love this one where Ruth and Naomi are out there in the field and, and she's collecting the barley and so forth. And, and uh, you know, she goes in, lays at, at Boaz's feet, and then he gives her the six measures of barley and comes out and she brings it back to her mother-in-law. And she shows him this barley that she's gotten from Boaz. And he did not want her to go empty. To, to Naomi. He did not want her to go empty. And he says, now, Naomi responds and says, sit still until thou know the matter, how the matter will fall. The man will not rest until he have finished the thing this day. We can trust him. Do you hear what she's saying? We, we, don't, we don't have any definitive word here, but you know what? We can trust Boaz because he is truly a kinsman redeemer. So sit still. You don't need to do this. Boaz is going to do this. He's going to finish this. So just, just relax. Rest in the promise here that he's our kinsman redeemer. He's going to do this. This is not about you, Ruth. This is not about me. This is not about anybody else, but it's, it's on Boaz. He's, he's committed here because he's a kinsman redeemer. Trust him. That's what she's saying. Trust him. Trust him implicitly. Because you know what? We have nothing to, we have nothing, uh, to do ourselves. We can't change our lot here. We can't, we can't make ourselves something we're not. We are entirely, listen, we are entirely dependent on Boaz. That's the, that's the picture. That's the reality. We are entirely dependent on Boaz. I thank God for the six measures of grain. But you know what? We're entirely dependent. Hey, folks, you might have your, you might have your veil full of grain. You might have... You might have uh, lots, of, lots of things in your possession. You might have lots of, of funds. But you know what? You cannot change your body. 
You cannot get you out of here in the, in the rapture. You cannot create that event. We are entirely dependent on him. And I would say this to you, little bride, like uh, Naomi said to Ruth, rest, rest, and just watch what he does. He'll finish this. If he, if he began it, he'll finish it. Do you believe that today? Our Boaz is going to do this. He's going to finish it. He's called us, and we are part of that pyramid I showed you there. We are a part of that glorious church by faith. Hey, rest. Don't worry. He'll get it done. Do what he tells you to do. Be where he puts you. Be where he places you. Watch what God does. <clears throat> now, hang, stay, don't hang with me. Stay with me. <laughs> a different concern. Luke chapter 5. Jesus tells this story, and you've heard it. Brother Man refers to this many, many times, where he says that you got to be careful about new wine and where you put it. How many know that wine represents stimulation? Stimulation or revelation, right? You know that, right, if you've read the Seals book? And he says, now look, in the parable, you don't put new wine into old bottles, and what that implies is that you're putting the right thing in the wrong place because they're not meant to, they're not meant to handle that. And else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled and the bottles shall, the, the bottles shall perish, the wine will perish. So you've got to put the right thing in the, in the right place. So the right thing is the wine, the stimulation, and it's got to be in the right vessel because you don't want to put the old stuff in the new vessel and you don't want to put the new wine into the old vessel because that's not it's got to be right in other words jesus saying it's got to be right so there's a word listen there's a word that brings stimulation that's meant for certain vessels and you can't take that new wine and put it into older vessels and you can't take the old wine and put it in the new vessel so you can't take the message that was in pentecost and put it in come on you can't put it in these vessels today it, it, that ain't gonna fly that ain't going to work. You've got to take the, the, the stimulation of revelation for this day and put it in the right vessels. And you know, hello, you're the vessels today that God has chosen. And God's got a stimulation of revelation for you today. And God wants you to have that today. And he says, and there's a give and a take. As that wine uh, matures and as that wine, uh, you know, becomes fermented and, and it becomes uh, uh, totally uh, perfect in its state, he said, you know what? Uh, that that new skin also is going to grow with that, it's going to be flexible with that, and both of them are going to be preserved. I want to be preserved. I don't know about you. I don't want to be spilled out all over the ground here. All right, so that's that's a scripture, and we could say more about that, and there's many, many times Brother Bram referred to it, but I want to show you one place. And this is what does it take to make a Christian life. And he's, he's using this scripture out of the book of Luke here. And he says, now, people say, our old school teaches different. Our denomination, and he said, that old dry cowhide. And our teachers and pastors say, at those things, the miracles are finished. Oh, he says, but if it's a new hide and it's got new life, it's flexible. It gives to the word. It flex, follow me, it flexes to the word. And here's the, here's the phrase I really like. Because the spirit supports the word. Did you hear that? The spirit supports the word. I got news for you. The spirit doesn't support you. The spirit doesn't support the church. Because if we leave the word, you know what? You're not going to have the support of the Holy Spirit. 
Are you okay? You know, if we started bringing in rock and roll music, why should the devil have all the good music? You know, we brought that in here. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's going to draw back from that because the word dictates a certain, sorry, <laughs> shouldn't have done that probably. Can you? The word tells us about how we should worship God in spirit and in truth, right? And you know what the Spirit's going to do? The Spirit's going to support the word. Well, you know, I got my feelings hurt, and I got this, and I, and I, uh, I, I want to sing in the choir, but I wear makeup and so forth. And, and you know what the Spirit's going to do? The Spirit's not going to take your cause because your dad's the pastor. The Spirit's not going to take up your cause because you've been in church for 20 years. The Spirit's not going to take up your cause because you pay a lot of tithes. You know what the Spirit's going to do? The Spirit's going to go right to the Word. And if, the, you're, if you're operating on the basis of the Word, all right, let's say our sister here, happy birthday, Sister Jackie here. But if Sister Jackie says, uh, well, I'm, I'm just not going to cut my, my hair because nobody else in the church does, and if I do, Brother Barry will get on my case, and, and that's fine. You know what? The Holy Spirit's going to have trouble supporting that. But if her and her heart, even if she gets a little revelation and says, you know what, that's what the Bible says. And I don't really understand it, but you know what, that's what the Word says. The Spirit will honor that. The Spirit will support that. And you know what, when you walk in when you, when you when you support that and when you agree with that, you know what he'll do? He'll give you a little bit more of, of an understanding. And he'll give you a little bit more support. And he'll go, I don't know about you, but I want to have the support of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, you know, uh, uh, I, I got a girl, and I, I like to hold her hand. And, you know, I think it's all right if I cozy up to her. I got news for you, and I'm not saying this to you. As I realized, the moment I said it, I'm picking on the wrong guy because she's sitting right there. <laughs> so open your mouth, Brother Barry, and put your other foot in there. Open your mouth a little wider. So maybe we can talk about you or you or... All, all I'm saying is, uh, sorry, I'm stepping on your toes. I am literally stepping on his toe. <laughs> Did someone tell you to sit up here in the front in that corner? Did anybody put you up to this? Are you sure? Sawyer, did you tell him to sit there instead of there? I don't believe him. I'll tell you this. The Spirit's not going to support that. You want to you find ways around the Word? The Spirit's not going to support that. You do things according to the word and you watch the support of the Holy Spirit. He'll bless you. He'll guide you. He'll open up new things for you. He'll give you the support you have need of when you do things according to the word because that's what the Spirit supports. The Spirit doesn't support your opinion. The Spirit doesn't support your feeling. The Spirit doesn't support your, support your crowd. The Spirit doesn't support your program. The Spirit doesn't support your wealth. The Spirit is not interested in your education. The Spirit supports the word. You need, for, for the new year, you need to underline that phrase in your mind. Put it on your fridge and, and realize that Brother Bram's teaching us something that the Spirit always will support the Word. Therefore, let me operate according to the Word because then I'll have the support of the Holy Spirit. That's way better. That's way better than the sp- support of the law. That's way better than the support of the judge. That's way better than the support of anybody else. But when the Holy Spirit supports you because you're doing things on the basis of the Word. And he says, and when they come into that new bottle and say, healed of cancer last night and the old hide says well let me see what the doctor says and let me see you a year from now i just can't believe it so in other words they're not agreeing with what the word promise is the holy spirit can't support that if that's the doctrine of the movement if that's the doctrine of the church if that's the doctrine of the denomination the holy spirit can't support that 
So why is the Holy Spirit outside the church knocking, trying to get in? Because there's things in there the Holy Spirit cannot support. Are we okay? Does that make sense? You want to be a part of something the Holy Spirit can support. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't support us because we got a marriage banquet and we got, uh, you know, uh, frogs boiling in Babylon and all that. That's not, let me tell you, it's not about entertainment. It's not about how many people you have. It's not about how big a church building you have. It isn't about any of that. The Holy Spirit's going to visit us because we support and we believe and we preach and we live the Word of God. Amen. This is not a social movement. But the new hide, the new hide says hallelujah to the lamb and spreads out. He's got flexibility there because he's got life and the wine has life and the both wine and the bottle is kept and you can't put new wine in old bottles, right? So the Holy Spirit always helps us to keep a balance in things. So on one end of the spectrum, we have teaching. If you have just teaching, everybody's going to dry up. Everybody gets wrinkles like old leather, right? If you have just evangelism, If we just have that, you have a bunch of people that are always getting saved. I mean, they can get saved four or five times a month. (laughs) They can get baptized six or seven times a year. It's amazing. If you just have evangelism, if we just have that and a feeling, you know what? You'll become addicted to the feeling, and you'll go to the next place to get a feeling. And I'm not against feelings, because anything that doesn't have emotion should be dead and should be buried. should be put in a coffin and buried, right? So it's got to have a life to it. And the life, let me tell you, the life got to be more than just in the preacher himself. The life has to be in the people as well. Because I'm only half of this, right? You're the other half of the gift. You're the other half of the whole program here. So it's not just teaching, and it's not just evangelism. And it's not just the letter of the word, and it's not just emotion. But in the middle of that, in the middle of that, I believe that God allows us to be able to experience a word that he can quicken, or in other words, he can support or honor, and that brings new life to people. He's also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So in other words, we're not the ones moving that dot around. He is. Because there are times when the church needs a stir, and there's a time when the church needs to know what's right and what's not right. There's a time when we need to, uh, you know, when we need to soften up and you need to stop being so crusty on the outside because you're crusty on the inside and let the Holy Spirit warm your heart with his presence and try repenting. Repentance very often comes from a softened heart and God knows how to soften the heart, right? God knows how to, he'll either do it through me or do it through somebody else or uh, some other minister come in here or whatever else. Or I'll tell you, life events very often will soften your heart. Life events will change your outlook in a hurry. Life events can, uh, you know, I was I, I just thinking of uh, Brother uh, Mike Altig down here in South Carolina going, going, to make, going to a funeral home to make preparations for somebody in his church, an old person that died, and he's in an accident. His life is forever changed. And he's still going through surgeries down there. Still going through things. You know, you think about Burley and the, and, you know, in, the, in the speed with which a nail out of an air gun can hit your eye, his life has changed. And, and, and God, hey, we don't wake up in the morning and ask for those things. We, we, all of a sudden, our, our life can be changed very quickly. And don't underestimate uh, the ability of life to hand you something that you haven't bargained for. 
And nothing happens to us by chance, but it happens because somewhere or another God allows it and all things work together for good. And it even isn't easy for us always to understand it. It may take years and years for us to understand what that verse really means. But the Holy Spirit knows how to move that blue dot around where he wants to move it. And woe unto us if we move it into a corner that God's not moving it. Now, I don't want to be into something that the Holy Spirit's not supporting. Can I go a little farther? Yeah. <clears throat> all right, now hold on. <clears throat> I haven't even gotten to our text yet. This is all the introduction. The oddball. Brother Bram said, now like I was telling you, he said now, <clears throat> and he's describing Moses' ministry here. He says, Moses was ordained to go into that tabernacle and to hear from God. God was giving him things to give to the people. Like Paul was was in the presence of God to come back and give things to the people of God. Just like Brother Branham was. And, and these men who are ordained, I'm not. I'm not ordained like they were. I've got another kind of a ministry. But they were ordained to do things as ambassadors, that's what he says, representatives to go into the un, great unknown supernatural and discern and bring out things that the natural mind cannot perceive. I, I'm not ordained to do that. That would scare the gizzard out of most of us here if we were lifted up in that great unknown supernatural. Paul talked about the third heaven. Brother Bram talked about being over on the other side. That's not our, hey, that's not our path. God never ordained us to do that. But he says when they do it, because they're ordained to do it, when they do it, watch, it brings out the mystery of God and foretells things, things that has been, things that will be. In other words, things make sense. When somebody who's ordained breaks into that realm and brings out the mystery of God for that time. And you know what that is? He said, that's God behind skins. Stay with me now. I'm not going to be too much longer here. <clears throat> look, look at this now. He says, there are certain people, and he's trying to, he's trying to teach us. But you know what? In your age, folks, wake up. You've got somebody who did that. This is a season where this is supposed to happen. To break into a realm, to bring things out which are defined as the mystery of God. The mystery of God will make everything plain. The mystery of God makes things make sense. The mystery of God, when it's preached, it makes things make sense. Because when somebody reveals a mystery, it's not a mystery anymore. It's not, a, it's not a, something foggy anymore. Right? If I told you uh, what, what the mystery was, it wouldn't be a mystery anymore. And, and so this is what Brother Bram's telling us, that wake up, you're in a season where this is prophesied to happen again. This is what the Bible teaches us that's going to happen again. When, when you have somebody who goes into that realm, Martin Luther didn't go into that realm. John Wesley didn't go into that realm. They were used mightily of God. And they were used, uh, you know, in, in, in really spectacular ways in their, in their day and in their ministry. But you know what? They were not anointed with the same spirit Brother Branham had to go into a realm. And he says, this is the way he says it, to get out clear in the gable end of the mind of God. He uses that phrase. If I needed to get in the gable end of something, I wouldn't even try that myself. i get somebody skinny and scrawny like Levine over here and put him right out into there because I... I'm not ordained to go out there. You've got to have somebody narrow to get right out in there. And here's Brother Bram said, 
He said, I was in that place, that gable end of the mind of God, just a little place where the roof meets the flat like this, a little spot in there. And he's, he's seeing things. And he's ordained not to just keep those things to himself, but he's ordained to come and tell us what God wants him to tell us. And you know what? When he does that, all kinds of things make sense. All right. Now watch now. What's, the, what's so significant that Brother Barry about that to us? And when there's a man who goes into that channel, breaks into the mystery of God, we're thankful that he did. It all happened before most of you were born. And, and the mystery laid there. It's, it's, it's in tape and book form. What's the relevance to me? Here it is. Brother Bram's explaining things about the Lamb's Book of Life. And he's using the scripture in Ephesians 1 where he says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That's Ephesians 1. He says, whew, that's pretty good, isn't it? He said, that's not pretty good. That's real good. Before there was a foundation of the world, God knew Ormond Neville and knew that he'd preach the gospel. Isn't that wonderful? A lot of times that's the way we, we refer to the Lamb's Book of Life over here by the organ, that God had it in his mind and he wrote all these names on the Lamb's Book of Life. And he said, there was a foundation of the world and God knew Ormond Neville and knew his life, knew he'd preach the gospel. He doesn't say that Brother Neville's name is written on the book. He just says that God knew Norman Orman Neville. All right, let me follow up in the oddball. Brother Branham said, like I was telling you, here's the quote I just gave you. He says, when that person goes into the mind of God, he brings out the mystery of God and foretells things. Questions and answers on the seals, 1963. Now, the book doesn't say, now, Lee Vale is to be saved in the time of the church age, this church age, or Orman Neville, this church age, or whoever. Don't say that. Imagine somebody telling you what's on the Lamb's Book of Life. <laughs> Are you with me? He's, you see what he's doing? He's actually telling you what the Lamb's Book looks like. I don't know of anybody else. Uh, I've read a lot of books in my life, but I've never read anyone that, about anyone who said, I saw it, or I know what's on there. It, it, the book, it just shows the mystery. It just shows the mystery and unfolds the mystery of what the thing is. You say that again. The book doesn't say bury coffee in the last of the Laodicean church age or Hunter McKintish in the last church age. It doesn't say that. You know what it does? It shows the mystery. It's got a mystery laying there. That's all. Mystery of the revealing of the Son of Man, the mystery of the seven seals, the mystery of uh, the translation of the church, right? Those are all mysteries for the last day. You would agree? It just shows the mysteries on the book here. It doesn't say, look as much as you want. You won't find Hunter McIntosh there or Levine. Gwyn there. You won't find that. It's not, that's not how it's written. There's a mystery there. You look on the, if, if we were able to get a glimpse of looking on the book, it would, it would be a mystery for the last day. We're living in the bride age. That this is the age of the translation. This is the age of the rapture, right? Are you following me? Those are the mysteries for our age. Hey, folks, the mystery of our age is not um, justification or sanctification or the, or the restoration of the gifts, right? 
That's not our day. That was another day. We've got another set of mysteries for our day. And you know what we've had? We've had somebody who ascended up into a realm and caught the mystery of God for our time and brought it to us. And you know what? God, instead of putting your name there, God puts something in you to connect you with that mystery that's on the book. Glory to God. There's something in you as a member of the the bride, a believer, God put in there to, when that mystery unfolds, you're saying, amen, that ain't nothing but the truth. That's exactly right. Amen. I believe the message. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that, what he said in the seals there. I believe that, what he said in the Feast of the Trumpets. I believe that. And you know what that is? That's not your intellect. That's a connection that God made before the foundation of the world by putting that mystery on the book and putting a corresponding connection in you that, that would attach to that mystery as it's unfolded. <laughs> Look, folks, let's say it this way. If Brother Branham had come in the first age and revealed the mysteries he revealed in the last day, nobody would sit there and say amen. They wouldn't know what he was talking about because the people who were ordained to believe that mystery were not living in that age. They had to come seven ages later at the very end. So God allowed you to be naturally born and have the receiver that connects with what God is sending out in this age. And God is sending out mysteries for this age. And he puts something in you, in your Catholicism, and in your Baptist, and in your Pentecostal heart. And God had something already there. And when you heard that, you came right out of that and came to the mystery that was on the Lamb's Book of Life. And what's the connection? The connection is that God had an ambassador that went up there and found out what the mystery is for this day and told us. And when he told us, you sat there and believed that and said, amen, just like Hattie Wright. That ain't nothing but the truth. And you know what? The Spirit honors that. Do you get it? Your name doesn't need to be written on the book like Lucas Coffee or Haley Johnson, coffee, doesn't need to be written that way. It only needs to be this way, that whatever God chose to hide for this age, he put a little bit of that in me. So that when it's revealed, there's something about you that says, I don't know a lick about theology, and I don't know a lick about this or that or the other thing. I just, the only thing I know for sure is that's right. My mother-in-law, I told you before, she, she, she was listening. She would get the tapes from Sister May Malinowski, who lived over in Hendersonville. And <clears throat> Sister May, uh, she married a Polish guy, and uh, she, she would get the tapes directly from Brandon Tabernacle. They would send her the tape. And they would, <clears throat> she would listen to that tape, send it to Sister Fulcher, and they had two reel-to-reels, and they would make a copy of that reel-to-reel. Took days, you know, to make a, a copy of that reel-to-reel. And, and it was the old flat platinum tapes that they had. We, I've got every one of them. We've, we've saved every one of them that Sister Malinowski had. And we have them uh, up, up home. And when Sister Fulcher listened to that, oh, and she loved it. She loved it so much. And she was still in a deliverance movement with Brother Fulcher. And, and it was just amazing. She believed, she believed that that message was right. Oh, she believed it was right. And she began to realize that there are certain things about the message that are making things clear that I never knew. Like, for instance, she heard Brother Bram talking about women preachers. 
and women taking a role in responsibility in the church. And so she wrote Brother Branham, and I have the letter. I have it at home. She wrote Brother Branham a letter and said, Dear Brother Branham, I love your ministry. I've been following it. You know, we were so blessed and uh, it was so wonderful. But I've been in ministry with my husband now for so many years, 40 years or something. And she said, I lead singing for him. Because we travel and we travel in a tent and we don't have a lot of staff. And so I lead the singing uh, for him. And I wanted to know, based on what you're saying in the message, I wanted to know if that's okay, if that's all right. And Brother Branham took the letter, and he, he put it back in the envelope, flipped it over, and took his pen and wrote it. And I have the letter. I have it in my office at home. And he took the letter, and he wrote it back, and he said, Dear sister, he says, God bless you for helping your husband over all these years in the ministry. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, for helping your husband in the ministry all these years. And he said, you continue to do whatever you can to help him in his ministry until God raises up a man to take your place. And she was so relieved when she got that answer from him. And she believed that God had sent a prophet. She was so interested. Every Saturday, she would call Branham Tabernacle. Every Saturday morning. That's back when you had to do this. And back when you had to pay shekels in order to use the phone long distance, right? Now, for you young people, let me explain that. Uh, I'm not going to bother. Every Saturday morning, she called Branham Tabernacle. And she'd ask whoever answered the phone, where's Brother Bram going to be next week? And she wanted to know, was he coming down Virginia Way? Was he coming anywhere near so that she could go attend the meeting? She was always, you know, maybe, maybe. As a matter of fact, what you don't know is that Brother Branham uh, had potentially agreed to come to their church uh, in Easter of 1966, uh, around that time of the year. And, uh, he, of course, he passed away. But because Billy Paul and the family were friends and so forth. So, but either way, every Saturday she'd phone up and she'd ask, where's Brother Bram going to be next week? What's the schedule for next week? And she said one day uh, the phone uh, was answered and she realized right away, this is Brother Branham. He was at the church and he answered the phone. And you know, she was kind of like some of you when you get the message, Brother Barry wants to see you in my office. <laughs> right? Some of you go, and she, she realized, this is Brother Branham. And I said, what did he say? And she said, he said, I don't remember all the words that he said, but he was just so kind. He was just so nice. And he spoke to her just a little bit and conversed with her and so forth. And, you know, she hung up the phone. It's like, you know, that kind of thing. She believed the message. I said all that to say this. When the mystery of the serpent seed, which was written on the book for this day, it wasn't in any other age, but for this age. What really happened in the Garden of Eden and how that, how that caused the fall and all the need for redemption all the way down through. She saw that mystery. God put something in her to believe that mystery. She said, it was contrary to everything I believed, but I believed it anyway. You know what God was doing? He's loosening up the church. You understand what I'm saying to you this morning? The glorious church is not held by your previous belief. The glorious church is loosened because your mystery is on the Lamb's book of life. And God puts something in you to believe that mystery. And you know what? When it strikes somehow, I may not be able to figure it all out. Probably might not even be able to retell it. But you know what? I believe it anyhow. Let's stand to our feet. I trust that. that I, I, just, I don't need to ask anybody. I don't need to study, uh, you know, a hundred books. I don't need to uh, work a whole lot at it. I just believe that that's true. 
It's, it's a lot like the Roman jailer who heard Paul and Silas in the jail. And he's in, he's in his, his, his uh, office over here. And he's listening to all of this go on, the earthquake and all the prisoners running around. And, and he hears Paul and Silas and he says, hey, what must I do to be saved? Somehow or another, you guys have got something that I need right now. And he reaches out to him. It's that fast. And it's just like the woman at the well. She comes to the well to draw water. She has her day planned one way. And then she runs into Jesus and goes home a different woman. Hey, listen, we can't really understand that. Neither can we put that in someone's heart. God's already put it in your heart because he had it on the Lamb's Book of Life. And he put something in you to respond to that mystery when it was revealed. And in our time, that's why we understand the, the mystery of God for our day. is because God put something in you to believe it. And to walk towards it with all of your heart. My name doesn't need to be on the Lamb's Book of Life. But I'll tell you what, I believe the mystery for our day. I believe the things that God has hidden and revealed in our day. And God has not hidden things from us, God has hidden things for us. God has made things known for us that are only for our age because God put a little bit of that in you to respond to what was on the Lamb's Book of Life for this hour. I'll tell you what, that that gets me excited. Brother Bram said that just ain't good, that's real good. That's really good. We should be a happy people. We should be an excited people. We should be a people that are very thankful that uh, God has placed that in you because he didn't do it because you were good and he didn't do it because you came to church today. He didn't do it because you had good parents. and He didn't do it because you uh, went to a good school. He didn't do that at all. It's by sovereign predestination that God did that long before you got here. My goodness. I think that's a, I think that's a, a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. I think, I think we should give him every praise. Every praise to our God. Let's sing that this morning here. What key are you in there? F. Let's sing that. <clears throat> Help me out here now. Help me and John out here this morning. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship. What a Every praise. Every praise is to our God. Every praise is to our God, God my Savior, God my Healer, God my Deliverer, yes He is, yes He is, God my Sing hallelujah to our God, glory hallelujah to our God, every praise, every praise is to our God, God my
tell everybody I get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ
you didn't want to know where I'm going. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm excited. I don't know about you because that's not just good. That's real good. There's good and there's real good. And you know what? I believe that God only wants us to continue in this until your body can't handle it no more. Now, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take a surge for that to happen. It's going to take a sweep for that to happen. And I pray that God, God make us ready to be on the right beach at the right time so the right thing hits us and takes us out of here. That's, that's what you got to pray. You don't have to pray that there will be a sweep. You don't have to pray that there will be a surge. It's already promised. You don't need to pray that there will be a wedding supper. Hey, it's already arranged. You just need to pray that you're in the right place, right time, doing the right thing. Thanking God for the revelation that you have. Because you're not here because of your works, you're not here because of your brains or your looks. You're here because God put that mystery there and put a little bit of that in you and there's a connection. <laughs> and you know what? You can't, you can't shake that. No matter, hey, listen, no matter where you tried to go in the world, God would find you there. In the preaching of the word, God would find you there. In the hearing of the word, God, something in you would say amen to that. Even, let me tell you, even if you were uh, in, in the darkest places in the world, something in you that would respond to that. I remember being in the country of Afghanistan, walking through the countryside in the middle of the night, looking up at the stars and thinking there had to be a God somewhere, there had to be something real somewhere. And I was ready. At that moment, I was ready. If some angelic being popped out of the sky, I would have went with him right then. That's how I felt. But you know what? I had, I had no hearing for me to connect with. I had a longing, because God put that in me, but I had no hearing. I didn't know what the mystery was. But when I came home from that and heard the mystery, bang. Now we have a connection. You understand what I'm saying? You can have the longing in your heart. Probably some of you that were out in the world or out in the, even in other churches and went through all kinds of different steps in your life, but you still know you're missing something. There's a missing piece somewhere. There's something just not quite fully right yet. All of it's not there. And then all of a sudden when the word of the Lord of the hour came to you, oh, you just realized this is it. This is the piece that's missing out of the puzzle. Put it in there. Now we have completion, Right? Oh, glory to God. Do you want to know where I'm going? Savior, face to face. Go 
take the pain. Sing it again. Heartache it brings. Comfort in knowing. I'll soon be gone. God gives me grace. I go to run this race. trustworthiness and you should be praying this morning and say Lord help me build up my trust in you help me Lord to let go of my doubts and fears Lord I want to be so in tune with you that when you speak that I'll respond help me be that close to you Heavenly Father as we look around the room and Lord there's many many sincere hearts Lord and people are listening today many, many sincere hearts that probably every single one of us needs to learn to trust you more. And like you caution the rich young ruler not to trust in riches because there's an effect to trusting in riches. And if we trust in riches, we don't trust in you. And this young man failed that test. Lord, we don't want to fail that test. 
We don't want to come to that moment, that edge of the impossible, and fail the test right there. But Lord, we want to trust you now in the small things that when it comes to the bigger things, Lord, we will follow you by faith like Abraham followed you on top of that mountain and was ready to sacrifice Isaac. He did that in faith. And Lord, I I want to be that kind of a person that follows you despite what everybody says and follows you despite what everybody does. I want to follow you, Lord, implicitly. And I pray you would help me to grow in that kind of faith. Because we're going to need faith to have our bodies changed. And Lord, that's no minor thing. That's no small thing. And Lord, I don't believe we have it now because we'd be gone. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to build ourselves in that most holy faith. I commit the people to you now, Lord. And I ask, oh God, that whatever their need is, you're a supplier the same as you ever were. And Lord, these are your children. I pray you'd move around the building today and minister to them and speak to their hearts. and Comfort them, Lord, with your presence today. Order our steps in your word because there's none like you. None like you. And we open our hearts and our minds to you. We have nothing to fear in your presence. We have nothing to be ashamed of in your presence, Lord. Because you have made us accepted in the beloved. Walk in us now through this week. And Lord, as we go our separate ways now today, I pray that you would just continue, Lord, to speak to us, draw us close to you. We love you and we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this place. We thank you for this congregation, Lord, and their openness to truth and hearing what they need to hear. Lord, I just ask now that you would just cause us in this year upcoming, cause us, Lord, to grow in that grace and knowledge and faith. Take complete control, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. For your glory we pray. Amen. And amen. You are God alone. We know that one. Do we know that one? Is that right? You are God alone. Pull that up there. You're not a God created by humans. You're not a God. On any mortal man, you're not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are not alone from before Just the way it is.
sing it out now. You are God alone from this point in the end. You are wrong, it's wrong. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and the bad, you are wrong, it's wrong. You are God If you want to stay and worship a little bit, I'll be just fine. <clears throat> and when you greet one another out there, you can you can remember that you're actually shaking hands with a member of that glorious church. You may not feel glorious. You may look in the mirror and say, I'm a long way from glorious. You may have had a bad week. But you know what? You're still a part of the glorious church. Because you didn't get into it by conduct. Neither are you going to get out of it by conduct either. Sing as you go this morning. God bless you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search for all eternity, Lord, and find. I can search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is one like you. There is one like you. No one 
And find 